your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. Very diverse show today in terms of uh, I'm going to have Kathy Kasakaitis, the um, advanced rehabilitator at the Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Center, on with me here in a couple of minutes. But before we get to that, I'm just going to talk aliens just real briefly. Uh, this this uh, Congress was 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 doing some stuff with aliens today. I thought was uh, pretty pretty incredible. And uh, first of all, they don't call them UFOs anymore. They call them UAPs. So so there's that. But but this is uh, some of the testimony uh, today uh, in in terms of uh, un- unidentified flying not objects UAPs. I, I just I'm just going to say UFOs. Government is in possession of UAPs. Uh, absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. And, and where? I know the exact locations, and, and those locations were provided to the inspector general. Has any of the activity um, been aggressive, been um, hostile to, in your reports? Uh, I know of multiple colleagues of mine that got physically injured. And uh, the activity... And I gotta, by, by UAPs or by... By people within the the federal government. Both. If you were me, where would you look? Titles, programs, departments? I'd be happy to give you that in a closed environment. I can tell you specifically. And I would say, and I've told people, that you you have to know where to look. They're not going to divulge it to you because of the classification levels. But if you know where to look and who to talk to, which is exactly what Mr. Gresh can point you, then you you have them. Do you believe that our government... So just a little bit of the testimony today. We're talking about UFO. Like, what's going on? Uh, I'm going to have to have Spencer Wilkin come on with me. She, she, hopefully she could come on with me next week and we kind of we can kind of dive into this because I'm not going to be uh, the, the expert on, uh, aside from watching every stupid sci-fi movie when it comes to UFOs. And I feel like that's just been uh, government propaganda to get us used to the idea of UFOs. Uh, you know, coming to earth. And then finally these reports are start getting trickled out and then we'll all be used to it. Right. Because we've been watching alien movies our whole lives and they keep getting better and better. Uh, but anyway, so the AP story, the U S is concealing a longstanding program that retrieves and reverse engineers unidentified flying objects. A former air force intelligence officer testified today in Congress. The Pentagon has denied his claims. Okay, so uh, and you heard a little bit of his testimony, retired Major David Grush's highly anticipated testimony before the House Oversight Committee was Congress's latest foray into the world of UAPs or unidentified aerial phenomenon, which is the term the U.S. government uses instead of UFOs. Of course. Right. We can't we can't just name the thing. We talked about this yesterday. We can't we can't name it early voting. We have to name it banked voting. We got to bank our votes. That's what Republicans said yesterday as they released, uh, as they launched their campaign to get Republicans to vote early by not calling it vote early, by calling it bank your vote because they're scared. uh, Because for three years they've been denying voting (laughs) early to uh, their base, and now they want you to do that. So here we have unidentified aerial phenomena, which is just a dumb term for ufos like a dumb phrase i should say unidentified aerial it's so stupid like all ufos they're unidentified flying objects how is that any different from unidentified aerial phenomena they're they're objects right phenomena so we don't we don't even know if they're objects is that the deal 
Um, and they're flying, so they're aerial, but we don't know if they're actually flying. Maybe they're just uh, in, maybe they're not even here. Maybe they're just illusions. Uh, but some of the video, too, we, the, the, the crappy video we get from these like jets. Uh, we're, we're, we're also in, in Congress uh, debating whether to spend $836 billion on the military, which is more than uh, all our funding combined for everything else. Um, we're debating that in the Senate, I believe. But um, w- when when we do that and we spend you know more than half of our budget on the military, we can't even get good cameras to take pictures of these UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. I just think it's so funny. Anyway, that's my mini rant on... Uh, UAPs or UFOs uh, that was testified in Congress. You could read about that at wisdomnews.com. All right, coming up on the show, I'm going to bring on Kathy Cascada. She co- she's calling in. Uh, she's the rehab, she's the advanced rehabilitator at the Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Center. Uh, if you go to their Facebook page, they have so many animals right now. They have, and, and some of these maybe may have been released, but I just, I was taking a list of, of all the animals in care. From some some of her more recent photos, but screech owls, baby turkeys. Have you ever seen a baby turkey? I saw a picture of a baby flamingo the other day, and it was learning to stand on one leg. And um, oh my god, a fledgling pigeon. They have. They, she had a painted turtle. I think she just released a painted turtle with a cracked shell. It was hit by a car, so they had to heal. You know, heal that up. Possums, ground squirrels, baby ducklings or ducklings. I should say it's redundant, right? Um, bunnies or cocktails. I guess she's right. She's calling them fledgling nut hatches, fledgling. A fledgling kestrel, uh, screech owl that fell out of its nest, um, and on and on and on. So uh, the Cooley Region Rehab Center, Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Center, and the Cooley Region Humane Society, I was looking for uh, donations too. So uh, we'll, we'll throw up her Amazon wish list uh, after the show on this podcast if you want to check it out. So anyway, Kathy Cascade is coming up. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me now is Kathy Kaskaitis, Double K. We can call her Double. I don't know. People call you Double K. <laughs> no, they don't. But that's okay. I'll let you. We, we should, right? Uh, and she is the uh, executive director. I don't know what's your. You, she works at the Cooley Region uh, Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Facility here, and uh, she basically runs the show there, right? Well, not the whole show. I, I do run the, the wildlife section. I'm the advanced. Uh, wildlife rehabilitator and then i'm also the animal control supervisor uh, but but uh my busiest time right now is being the, the wildlife rehabilitator yeah i was just that's on my list kathy you can't just we'll take the questions in order okay no i'm just kidding um yeah and and i'm bringing you on obviously uh you if you want to if you want to help out we can give out the, that amazon link but you guys have you're you're full, always full with animals. How many animals do you think you have? Uh, you're rehabbing right now. Uh, currently in our care, I would say we probably have about thirty five in total. Um, we do have a you know a batch of ducklings, and I've got three different um, litters of opossums, which you know those numbers get pretty big sometimes. Yeah, when you get like how? Okay, I can understand. Okay, when you get ducklings, is that because like the mom is is missing? Um, a lot of times people do think the mom is missing. A lot of the ones that we get in are wood ducks, and not many people know that wood ducks nest up in trees because who would think to look in a tree for a duck? Uh, but they do nest up in trees and hollowed-out parts of trees. Uh, so when the babies are hatched, um, they start jumping out of the nest, and when the last one's out, mom is sitting there watching, um, then she gathers them up and, and will take them to water. 
sometimes they go miles to, to water. Um, what happens is the babies kind of eat their way out of the shell, and they absorb enough nutrition for just from getting out of the shell that they, they can go for two days before they, you know, they get to the water and eat. She'll take them a little at a time. But people think that they're abandoned or there's no mom around, so they start gathering up these ducklings and, you know, bring them into us, uh, which we do well with ducklings. We do a lot of mallards and a lot of wood ducks. And then the, the mallards are typically, they fall through the storm grates um, mm-hmm. in the city limits. And mom will take, you know, the five, six that she has. She'll wait around for a while, but by the time somebody gets there to help get the other ones out, she's kind of just taken how many she can save on her own. Yeah. And then the, the rest are left behind. We're rethinking that whole storm grate thing, right? Like we as a society, I've seen I've seen uh, pictures of new kinds of storm grates so the, the critters can't fall through those. Yeah, I wish they, you know, they would be, well, I'm sure it's probably not economically, you know, feasible for many communities to switch, switch them over, but um, we get tons of ducklings every year. And there are other animals that, that make their way down there. Um, also, you know, small animals that, you know, can fall through those holes. You, you look at them and you don't think the holes are very big, but... But these animals can slip right through them, so it's that's, a, that's how we get most of our ducklings. It's a billion-dollar idea. Just it, We don't have to replace the storm gate. We just need something that would go over it that would allow the water to go through, wouldn't get clogged all the time, but would catch uh, babies, baby animals, yep. and, and regular exactly. babies if you, uh, if you lose your baby. I don't know. Um, well, I hope not. <laughs> when, I hope not. <laughs> when, when, uh, when people – okay, so – what, what what advice do you have for people that you, you're talking about when when they see the wood ducks and they think that mom is gone? I mean, how long should they watch these little ducklings before, okay, mom must be gone? Because you can't, like, sit there and hover around them because mom's not going to come around. I, I wouldn't think if you're hovering around them. But is there a time frame? That, like, if I watch from a distance, sit in my car and watch, uh, that, okay, you know what? Mom must be gone. Yeah, typically on anything um, or from that uh, people call us on, you know, we have them, like you said, you don't want to be hovering over them because you're right, moms of any kind aren't, aren't going to, you know, come around. They're going to keep their, their distance from you. Um, but on anything, you know, baby squirrels that follow the nest or even baby cottontails, you know, you know, most of these moms can get them back to their location or the mom duck will come down. Um, we tell them, you know, three hours at the most, two to three hours. And if you haven't seen any signs of of them moving because the little ones will gather together and, and they wait for mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they won't be until we intervene, then they scatter all over the place. Um, but mom will, will come back within two to three hours. She'll give them, you know, enough time for things to settle down, calm down. So she's, you know, aware, you know, of what's going on before she comes down and wants to take them, you know, down to the water. And I understand this is, you know, this is, this is a little bit of a burden, but if people have that time, that's a lot of time to just sit there and watch baby ducklings and make sure they're okay. Is, is the idea here to, because the, the lacrosse police have kind of taken this over in, in the city. So should we, should we be calling the police or should we be calling Cooley region to be like, Hey, there's baby ducklings and I'm just unsure. Or should we make that person hang out for three hours? Um, well, typically you can hear them down there. Um, I do know that the lacrosse police are not, are not doing any wildlife calls unless it's a you know okay. a health risk to to the people, okay. um, which is, would be very limited. So they are calling. You know, usually the the street department has been called and the water department um, has been called, and many times you know people are taking it on themselves, kind of reaching down there with nets and scooping them up and. You know, there's an opening, you know, along the edge, the curbside. Oh yeah, you're start, talking about you know, you're talking about storm drains. I'm just talking about yep, you see babies uh, stranded in general. In general um, yeah, 
we're talking them through. They, they certainly can call us. We're still here, but uh, we're not doing the pickups like we used to in the past. One, mm-hmm. we just don't have the staffing any longer. Um, but uh, people have been pretty good this year for the first time out um, of us not doing that, of uh, bringing them in or monitoring them and saying, oh, yep, mom did come back. Uh, so, one, if you know mom is, has, you know, is deceased or, you know, hit by a car or something like that, um, you certainly can still bring them to us. You know, make sure you call us first uh, just so that we're prepared for it um, and, and set up and waiting, you know, for them. Um, or we talk people through either deterrent ideas or the same thing, just, you know, kind of sit and, and watch. And a lot of times, you're right, they can't sit there for three hours straight and watch, so they, they may even miss a mom coming back for a few moments and, and leaving again. Yeah. So, But that's why we kind of say, you know, three hours, you know, that, that should be enough time for any mom to either move her baby or sometimes they're even too big for, for them to pick up and carry back up a tree or something. And then, you know, we would say to go ahead and intervene and, and bring it into us. But we always want to make sure that, you know, their best chance is with mom, not with me. Right. I, I do a, a, a good job and we do the best we can, but it's ultimately mom that does the best. Yeah, it's weird when you're out there swimming in the lake and the babies are following you. It, make, it makes more sense to have the mom do that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've, in my pool. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. Like, uh, in, and when you get these ducklings, so I've I've read and seen that like geese are pretty cool about you. Just throw the ducklings behind a mother goose and her duck, uh, not ducklings, uh, whatever geese babies are called. Um, Gosling, are, the goslings. Goslings. Okay. Yeah, you throw them behind, and the, the mom will just kind of take in the orphans. Uh, are ducks like that, too, or are they a little bit more picky? Nope, ducks are like that, too. Um, a lot of places, um, if if they go somewhere, um, like we used to catch them up on the J Street ramp uh, where there's apartments up there and they have an outdoor garden. Uh, a lot of ducks would, would lay their eggs up there and they have no way to get them down. Yeah. So we devised a, a way of capturing mom with the babies. And if we do that, um, and have other ducklings here at the shelter, we will add, we won't overload her, but we'll add some to her. And then we usually let them stay with that group for, you know, a few hours uh, just to kind of mix in and mingle. And then we would take them down uh, to, you know, either Myrick Park to to the water or usually not the Mississippi itself because the current is so strong. So yeah. we look for, you know, the calmer backwaters. Um, but close to where she would normally go with them, we don't want to take her too far away because they come they come back every year to the same nest site. Yeah, well, she got uh, wings. So. She can fly back. <laughs> she can she can fly back. You're right. <laughs> um, what is too many if you're going to, you know, rehab or if you're going to throw the orphans in with uh, a mom and her ducklings or geese, I goslings? Wouldn't, I wouldn't go, you know, I've seen actually um, down at UW-Lacrosse a mom with 24 ducklings on her own. Yeah. So that kind of tells me that's a lot. Uh, but that kind of gave me like, oh, they can they can handle 24 because she alone, you know, had just hatched out 24, 24 babies. So I wouldn't go any more than than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we see somebody with, you know, 10 babies, you know, we'll add, you know, eight, eight to 10 more. Um, but I don't like to do too many because they have to go underneath mom to get the oils to become waterproof. So oh. we don't want to, you know, have that many where they're not getting that chance to get under there for warmth and to collect the oils off of her. Oh, interesting. I learned something new every day. We're speaking with Kathy Kasakaitis. She's the advanced rehabilitator at the Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Center. Um, Now, you have an assortment. Do you have a lot of babies right now? Because I feel like we're, you know, end of July and these animals should be getting, like, they should be teenagers by now, right? They are. I still have, um, like I said, three cages uh, with a total of, like, 14 opossums um, that are still fairly young. So they'll still be with me for a while. I got in a late 
well, let's put it this way, either a late baby squirrel or an early fall baby squirrel, uh, mm-hmm. because squirrels have two litters, and usually late July, early August, they'll have their second fall batch. Um, so we got one that fell out of a nest, so it could be a late spring baby or an early fall baby. But I do have one uh, baby squirrel, and let's see, I've got a, a young painted turtle that was hit by a car that's ready for release and, you know, fairly small. Um we have in a young wild turkey uh, that is still fairly small. So we've got a few that are, are still on the small side. Pigeons, I just got in a newly hatched, you know, uh, nestling pigeon uh, that, that needs to be fed. But they, they hatch pretty much year-round on pigeons. There's no really season for them. But now we start with, you know, fall babies. I got um, a baby bunny in this morning, unfortunately injured, you know, from a dog. Um, you know, so those, those Litters happen all year long, all, you know, all summer long also. So there's the seasons for wildlife are totally different than, than many seasons. And we should talk about, uh, you, you also have uh, like an education animal too as, re- as well, right? Named Flower? I do have Flower. She's actually sitting right next to me in my <laughs> office at the moment. Um, so she uh, is wonderful. She's been out this year doing education programs and um, just getting out there and, and talking about what we do and how to how we can help people either over by the phone, like we talked earlier, or, you know, bringing the animals into us and being the ambassador for species, just letting people know that, that skunks are not bad to have around. Uh, they give plenty of warning before they will spray. Um, she just got moved in my office because we're doing construction down here. Otherwise, she has her, her own room in the wildlife area. Uh, but down here at the shelter, we got some construction going on, and it was a little bit loud in some areas. So I've been moving animals around, mm-hmm. to, you know, less stress on them. Yeah, it's interesting but, yeah, too. She's, like she's great. Flower, she's a three-year-old skunk, and uh, she has her own office right there. She works there. She works here. She yeah. <laughs> she gets uh, she works her way through her her kibbles. Now, when you bring her to, uh, you know, I think I'm I'm assuming you take her to school to let kids see her. Uh, do are they afraid of her right away because she's a skunk, or do you kind of warn them, or do you you know because uh, like everyone thinks if they see a skunk, I mean when my dog sees a skunk, it's ah just run away. Actually, it's it's almost the opposite. Um, I've gone I've gone to a couple uh, uh, schools now, and I've done uh, a few parks and like uh, different nature centers with her, and they everyone even the adults are I was truly amazed on how many people we're excited to come up and, and actually see one up close because it's probably one wildlife animal that nobody's going to really approach very closely. I mean, you know, if you see uh, even a baby fox or whatever out there, people are going to want to get close, but skunks, they, they pretty much keep their distance. So I've had a pretty good turnout with her. Nobody's been a, well, I shouldn't say nobody. I've had a couple kids that just weren't comfortable on petting her, but I hold her and let them pet her uh, so that they can actually feel one and, and see it up close. And they've all enjoyed her. I get, I have thank you cards and stuff um, on my bulletin board at work, and of you know after doing a program, so it's it's been a, a joy. So, yeah, one summer my dog met a skunk like th- three different times and got sprayed every time, probably because I panicked. And but the fourth time I saw them together, they were just hanging out, and I I just I zipped my lip and I just oh, okay, you guys are friends now. I get it. Well, that would be the the wise thing is to not not to panic. Um, you know, we, you know, used to remove a lot of uh, skunks and relocate in when people would accidentally catch them in a live trap if they're trying for a cat. And yeah, I, I've only been sprayed a couple times, um, and that was actually before 
we, I even, you know, was approached them. So I shouldn't say I got sprayed, but they sprayed in the area. But uh, the odor kind of stays with you for a couple hours. Yeah, for sure. Days. All right, we're going to continue this conversation with Kathy Kaskaitis, the advanced rehabilitator at the Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Center, when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me is Kathy Kasakaitis. She's the advanced rehabilitator at the Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Center. We've been learning about all the animals that she's been, uh, she has down at the center, and and also her education animal. I guess I don't know the, the better way to put that, but Flower the Skunk. Uh, if she uh, coming to a school near you, I guess if, if if anyone wants to have you at you know come come talk, what do they got to do, Kathy? Is that something you uh, can well, do pretty easily? Yeah. I feel like you're always busy. Yeah, so. We do. Um, we have an education um, coordinator here at the the shelter. That um, since I did so many programs this year with her, I think I did five um, this spring with with Flower, um, with Flower and talking about the wildlife. Um, so that we we've now added it onto the Cooley Region Humane Society website. So that if anyone is interested in having us do a program, uh, they can go in and, and fill out like kind of a questionnaire application type thing or their dates and times, and we would get back to them just so we know. I've got a couple different programs that I do. I, I have one geared for, more for, you know, younger kids, and then I have one for adults. Um, I'm working on one that's geared more for, like, migratory birds and different types of birds. I've done a program on just bats. So I've got a couple different programs that I have done. Um, so it's kind of just, you know, what what audience you're kind of trying to get to, and um, I try to keep it, you know, updated you know, periodically, so it's fresh. So that if, if the same people see it, it's not the exact same program. But yeah, definitely. And and people could do that in the Cooley Region website. And then also, I don't, I don't know the best way to do this, but you you obviously need to, you could always use donations. Uh, you have an Amazon wish list. Is there a, a good way to check that out and for for people to help out, or can people bring things down to you? What kind of things would you need right now? Well, just before um, this interview here, I was just researching because we, when we do our ducklings twice, you know, clean their, their pens out twice a day and, and the turkey and all the other animals, we, we use a lot of, of the pine bedding. And the one that I used to buy locally here, they don't longer carry that brand. And I've tried another brand and it's just so fine. But the Ecoflake bedding is one that's in the in demand right now because I'm, I'm running low and I'm, you know, substituting with other things, but I just can't find it locally. Um, so I was going to add that to the wish list, but um, I do have my own Facebook page, which we are funded separately than the shelter. So I work on raising my own money for supplies and caging and things like that. And I have my own um, Amazon wish list. So it's the Cooley Region Humane Society Wildlife Rehabilitation. And that's my Facebook page. And then you can find my wish, wish list there. But uh, recently I've been so busy, I've been lacking on my on my post, and I've been not updating my wish list. So that is my, my goal for the next couple of days is to get a new, fresh post out there. Yeah, I think uh, what we just need to do, Kathy, is uh, just have somebody who's ambitious about taking wildlife photography come down there and run your Facebook page for you because you're too busy. I think I think somebody that would love to probably volunteer to do that. Um, and I'll I'll put you're, this. You're link. right, but I, but I love to do it too. So I always you know like to create the stories and oh yeah and give my my fun facts and everything. So I have asked somebody has asked me about doing it, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to give that up. But you um, but then I tend to get so busy that I get behind on it. Oh, I don't. I don't think you have to give it up you just have to uh you, you just teamwork you, you guys I, I don't kathy you can't post enough animal pictures on your facebook page you could have 10 posts a day i think people would love it and i'll post a link to the amazon wish list uh 
uh, when this interview is over up on the on the Wisdom News website and on the the podcast story here. But um, just a couple of things when while we're talking to animals here with Kathy Keskaitis, the Advanced Rehabilitator at Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Center. What uh, it's it's been pretty hot out right now. How how does wildlife do when it's you know this hot? I mean, do, do people have to worry about anything in particular? As, you know, do, do animals come in more often when it's hot like this? They do, um, but don't you know? Don't be you know jumping to conclusions if you just see animals basically just laying around and not moving much. Rabbits in your yard because, as you said, they're hot and they don't have you know place to go that's air conditioned or to cool off like you know we can bring our dogs in or or cats in or whatever. Um, so they may be just stretched out in the yard under you know a tree for shade, and they may be there for you know half hour, forty five minutes just trying to cool down. So don't think that they're, you know, alarmed. Don't scare them because, you know, as anything else, you get them all worked up and they, you know, they want to run away and that makes them hotter. Um, At my house, I actually have one, two, three, four different watering stations. Um, I have two that are on the ground. uh, So, well, squirrels can get to the bird bath, but for squirrels and rabbits. um, So I I check them every morning before I come into work and I've got, you know, bird baths um, at the shelter here too. Um, one of my enclosures on these really hot days is, is pretty warm, even where there's open windows, you know, barred windows for the animals can't get out. Um, I've actually brought those animals in to the building where, where I do have air conditioning because it, it just was so hot out there and they, there's no way for them to, to get away from that heat when they're enclosed. So I have moved animals around, but leaving water out and, you know, areas so that they can hide and, and be in the shade um, is always helpful. But don't be alarmed if you've just, you know, if they're not moving um, very fast or much because because they're hot. Yeah, I've definitely seen a funny picture of like a squirrel all sprawled out on a deck, like like yep. Superman posed almost laying on its belly. And it looks so funny. <laughs> but that's the, they're yeah, just I, chilling, right? They're hot. Actually, one of them that I just released down here recently was laying across a bench out there uh, on the arm of the bench and legs on each side, just, just <laughs> all spread out laying there. Um, all right. What about... What about uh, just our our pets too? I mean, we got to be careful there. That's that's pretty obvious. Like, don't don't have your dogs out on a on a chain outside all day because it's not going to be great for them. Yep, don't. Yeah, we ask even if your if your dog is an outside dog, you have a place that's a, that's cooler. You know, a, a garage where there's a cement floor they can lay on. If you're in the country, you know, in a, a barn, can you bring them in a set area? Um, make sure that there's plenty of water for them. Um, if they're senior dog, they don't handle the heat well. Um, if they're the smush face, the Shih Tzus, Pekingese, uh, your little pugs, um, they don't breathe well in the hot weather. And please don't leave them in the car when you go to the store. Um, even with your air conditioning running, we've known that, you know, dogs jump around and they've shut the air conditioning off. Um, last year we were unfortunate to find a couple dogs deceased last year. Don't want to see it again. Um, you know, just don't bring your dogs with when it's 95 degrees out. Um, take them for walks early in the morning, later in the evening when it's not so hot. And if the pavement is, you know, if you can't hold your hand on that pavement for more than a few seconds and your hand is hot, you're going to burn your dog's paws. So, you know, just be mindful of all those, all those things um, and, and keep your pets safe. All right. We're, uh, Kathy Cascadis, the advanced rehabilitator at the Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Center. What is your favorite it's a weird one. Do you have a favorite animal just in general? Um, well, I will have to say, I mean, no, but 
Um, <laughs> I've always, when I was a child, always felt a connection with the skunks, and then by chance I ended up with an educational one. So I will put them at the, at the top of the list um, of one of my favorite. Um, I love the opossum. Um, many people don't like them because they, they look like big, large rats, but mm-hmm. um, I've worked with them now for a few years, and they're, they're amazing little creatures. Yeah, there is a there is kind of a a lot of people say opossums eat thousands of ticks in the summer, and I've actually read about this, and it's actually they they may eat ticks, but they actually don't eat uh, a thousand thousands of ticks in a summer. But they are kind of like your garbage men, right? They are. Um, usually, when I'm I'm feeding them, it's I, I do them at the end of the day. So if there's leftover from this animal or leftover from that animal, I just <laughs> mix it all together, and then they're in heaven. Um, they just dive right into the bowl of all the mixed veggies and dog food, cat food. Yeah, they're happy. Um, what about, uh, you know, as uh, how long have you been doing this at the rehab center? Um, 14 years. 14 years. And, and imagine you have like, this is, this has been my toughest customer, uh, in that past. Do you have like a, to- like a, like a story about one of the toughest guys, like animals you've had in there? Oh gosh. <laughs> wow. You got me on the spot there. It can all vary. I will say I, I love the Eagles, but I've had some Eagles. Um, I don't, I triage them and I transfer them on, but we get plenty of them in. And I've had some pretty kind of aggressive ones at at times uh, where they've like almost opened the door to, to come at you. Um, they're probably one of my, my tougher ones to, to deal with because they are so big and strong with those talons. Uh, that it may, and and I, I transfer them to the Raptor Education Group and probably 90% of her staff, they don't even wear gloves when they handle them. And I'm like, I'm like in a full, face full body shield suit. and gown and, and, you know, the big gloves. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it, but, um, and I, they probably sense that. that I was year, just going to say, maybe they uh, sense that. Yeah, it might be that. Um, also very un-American of you to, to hate the Eagles the most. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Of course, they're, <laughs> they're your toughest customer. That's the, I, that makes total sense. Um, is there, this is weird too, because you obviously you don't want any of these animals in there because they, they're in there for a reason, right? They're either harmed or right. abandoned. Uh, but do you have, is it skunks that come in that are your favorite? Do you have, maybe it is opossums. Like this is the animal I really love to see in here. Like, and I get it. Like you don't love to see it, but like, oh, if it comes in, I, I, I really love taking care of these guys. Um, I, well, the, the possums are messy, but I, I do love caring for them because they're comical. Um, recently, oh. we've had in a couple young owls. I do like, I do like working with uh, the owls um, a fair amount. Um, they're just, you know, fascinating. Uh, we haven't had in many hawks this year, but um, I do like the, the birds of prey, the hawks, the owls. Um, we've gotten in a few peregrine falcons. Uh, the kestrels are just amazing little, little birds. Uh, so, but... I love watching the squirrels when they're at their playful stage and they're all romping in, in the cages and playing. They're always a joy, but they're, you know, I love them, but they're very common. So it's, you know, we mm-hmm. get them in so often. Um, so every once in a while getting, uh, you know, an, an animal we haven't had for a long time is always kind of fun and, and new and different. And I'm always researching. I don't care if I have it in five times, 10 times, I'm always trying to find, you know, how can I do better? What can I, you know, do to improve its caging? How, what food is different? Fun facts for my Facebook, because I always love to add those facts in. And I always try to find something weird and strange about everything. All right. So <laughs> when, you, a little more interesting. when you say opossums are funny or, or goofy, I can't remember exactly how you described it. Can you, can you, wh- like, what about it? What are they doing that you think is so goofy? 
Well, right now I've got a litter of, of seven of them, and we've had them since they were syringe-fed. So, you know, mom was hit by a car, and um, they were, you know, came out of the pouch and on her very small. And just this morning, even, they're, they're fairly good size now, but the minute you open, turn on the lights and walk in the door, they're all, like, climbing up the side of the cage, and they're, they're grabbing at, you know, the, the puppy pad, and they're grabbing at the food dish because they're hungry. And then they look at you, and you put your hand there, and they want to nibble on your finger, and and then pretty soon all seven of them are hanging on the side of the cage, uh, kind of just waiting for you, where a lot of the animals, when you come in, they want to hide underneath something. But these guys, they're not friendly. We don't, you know, we, <laughs> we keep hands off. Um, we, you know, put gloves on to, to move them just because they, they, they do want to bite. But they're just kind of comical when they're all hanging there looking at you. Tails are wrapped around each other and... Do you have to you and you have to be careful, right, when you're rehabbing these animals? Because obviously you're trying to release them back into the wild, so you can't be too. Is there a is there a limit to like hands on or babying them, so to speak? You know, to yeah. a point where okay, you guys are going to have to do this on your own. Yeah. So when they first come in, you know, if they're orphaned and babies, you know, obviously they're hands on because we're syringe feeding them. Yeah. You know, some sometimes it's every two hours, um, and then as they grow, um, you know, the feedings become you know, less frequent, you know, during the day. And then we, we try to, when, once we start, stop syringe feeding and start feeding them from the dishes, it's, you know, less and less hands, hands on. And then before we release, you know, we take them to um, outside kennels to acclimate to the weather, the sounds and everything outside. And then it's, it's total hands off. And even now I have one single squirrel in my outside cage came in alone and I didn't have any others. And you would think that, having one it would, would, you know, want to come to you, but you walk out there and it runs across the, the cage outside and, and wants to get away from you. So it doesn't take them long to, to get that instinct back to yeah. not want to be by us. Uh, I mean, certainly if we spent hands on every day, you could certainly habituate them uh, to become friendly and, you know, like, you know, say like flower. Um, but we, we try not to, but some of them, you know, take a little bit longer and it always is better if we have, more than just a, a single. Um, so if we get an unusual one, we don't do red fox here, but uh, we will get take them in occasionally and we transfer them on. And other rehabbers are always saying, you know, we don't want to raise a, a fox by itself. So they're always reaching out, you know, does somebody have one? Can we take yours or can you take this one? Um, oh, that's it's always better to, to raise them together so that they don't like people. Now you talked about you had a painted squirrel or a painted squirrel. That would be funny. A painted turtle that had a cracked shell. It was hit by a car. You released that. Um, but, and you, and you just had a baby bar, barred owl that had a punctured lung and a damaged wing. How did that happen? Do you know? Um, well, we only can assume that, um, when they start getting bigger, um, their, their nest is too small for, for all of them in the nest. And, uh, we can only guess that it was starting to fledge, starting to fly and that it probably tumbled through the branches and uh, one branch punctured its wing. Um, the whole membrane part of the wing was probably at least a quarter size hole in the wing, which um, even after it healed and everything, um, it healed up really well, but um, it just won't be able to fly. The, it can fly in the enclosure, but not well enough to, to hunt, hunt it, yeah. especially being a young one. And then a branch um, had um, ruptured the cornea, so it will have that healed fairly well and there's just a little bit of scarring, but we, it's really hard to tell on birds, um, their vision without doing a lot of testing, but, um, we don't know if it'll have, if it'll be totally blind or just limited vision. Uh, so being that it was just this year's and they can live, you know, 25, 30 years, 
Um, in some cases, um, I was reaching out to a lot of places to see if anyone was looking for one. And uh, the Owl Center in, in Houston um, is going to add that to their uh, educational program. So they came down here and worked with it a few times a week until we got all the paperwork to cross state lines and everything. Um, so they're, they're, we're still in the process of that. But they, they were coming down here a couple times a week uh, just to work with it, get hands on it so that... Um, Otherwise, I said all my years, it's hands-off, hands-off, and now here somebody wants me to work with it hands-on, and I was like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, right. Yeah, and Carla uh, Bloom at the, the Houston Owl Center, they, that's, a, that's their forte. Yeah, so um, they, they just, you know, were kind of looking, not sure what owls they wanted to add, and this, this is a native one to this area, so they thought it was a, would be a good fit, and um, like I said, because... I my like mine is rehabilitation with expectation of releasing. Yeah. So ours is always you know hands off, don't habituate, and and I'm like I don't really know how to make an owl friendly. I mean I was scratching its head and rubbing it, <laughs> you know, and I'm like but I'm like so they were coming down here and, and working with it, um, which I appreciate um, them making so many trips down here to to work with it to you know so that they that it was wouldn't become wild because nothing worse than a bird that's not releasable and not handleable. Yeah, when it yeah, owls need to see this one had a punctured eye and owls need to fly and this one had a damaged wing and won't be able to hunt. It won't even be able to see if it could could hunt. Uh yeah. um or if it could fly, I should say. So, yeah, that's great. It's it's always interesting too the did you learn anything? Here's how you make an owl friendly. No, don't tell us because I don't want anyone to to, to figure it out because we shouldn't be exactly. we shouldn't be making owls friendly. Exactly. Uh we'll let we'll leave that to the experts, but uh that's Kathy Kaskaida. She is the advanced rehabilitator at the Cooley Region Wildlife Rehab Center. She, thank you uh, so much for taking uh, a couple of, you know, a little bit of time out of your busy, busy day. Um, again, I'm going to post this up on the Wisdom website. I will add her Amazon wish list, um, and in that it will be included the 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 like bedding that you were just talking about, the pine needle bedding. Yep, I, I will add that to the wish list. I'll probably do that when when we're done here, <laughs> uh, just so that it's if that's current and, and up. Um, I was just kind of pulling it up and looking to see if Amazon carried it. Of course, they did because they yeah, carry everything. everything. Um, <laughs> um, so I will, I will update that very shortly. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to check out her Facebook page, Cooley Region Humane Society Wildlife Rehabilitation, I'm sure as you start typing it, it'll pop up on its own. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you very much. All right, we're gonna t- we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back. All right, that's going to do it for uh, Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks again to Kathy Cascadis for joining for the hour. Coming up tomorrow, State Rep Steve Doyle is going to probably be in studio, I think. But he should be on for the hour. No alpacas, but we'll definitely talk more animals tomorrow with Steve Doyle. Thanks, everybody.